0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. What a wild week, two we have. And look, we still have uh, some results that are still going to be coming in as we record this podcast live. YouTube.com slash Cover 3 if you want to join in on the conversation. At the end of the show, we will take some of your comments and some of your questions, but... Uh, we've got some results that we've got to dive into right away because we have an Ohio State loss. We have an Iowa State loss. We've got teams that we looked at as conference championship contenders that are losing in non-conference games. Lots of ways to get to this. And so uh, I feel like I want to start with Oregon going into Columbus and the the way that they – Took advantage of an Ohio State defense. Like this is one of those things where, as we meet here at 11:45 p.m. Eastern Time on the East Coast, recording live, like we've talked about this, right? Like we've gone through a lot of the layers. Uh, Tom, you live blogged this. You wrote about it. You offered takeaways. Like as we look at both Oregon and Ohio State, let's start with the Ohio State side of this. Do you think that there's a recovery? From this loss. Yeah.
1: I mean, I th- I don't think there's any other teams in the Big Ten as good as Oregon. I think Oregon's a very good football team, considering they were missing a number of key starters on defense. The two biggest headliners being Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Flo. But as part or just a result of the recruiting that Mario Cristobal has done there in recent years, they have depth that they haven't had in recent seasons. They were able to lose guys like that and still hold up reasonably well. I mean, I I don't want to give the Oregon defense too much credit. Ohio State did have 612 yards of offense and it averaged 7.2 yards per play. The problem was for Ohio State, Ohio State's defense never made a play. And there was absolutely nothing about ohio state's defense on saturday that was interesting or surprising like they came out in their base defense pretty much every snap they were mostly in man and oregon found a few plays that worked joe moorhead the offensive coordinator found a few plays that worked and they kept going right back to it and ohio state refused to try to change anything up until the fourth quarter and that's kind of when it finally started having some success and i'm starting to like I'm having serious doubts about Kerry Combs as the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. The the impression that I get is, and we've talked about this with offensive coordinators and head coaches as play callers, where when they have more talent than everybody that they're facing, they just... You know, call whatever play they want; it works, and they look like geniuses. And then maybe they move to a power five level, and they're facing teams that they they don't have that advantage on. And all of a sudden, it's like they're not as strong of a play caller. I feel like Ohio State's defense's game plan is just, well, we're better than them at every single spot. We'll just line up and beat them.
0: Well, I don't want to like jump in right now, but Tom, because you were live blogging this, I want you to like check me on this. Okay. JTT didn't come in; he was not a starter. Correct. Uh, no. Like, I felt like the best talent on Ohio State's defense are freshmen and sophomores. They are young players who are not in the starting lineup. Like, the best players on Ohio State's defense. JTT had the the pass deflection late in the game that was, like, one of the biggest plays of the game. Like, I think that this decision-making process is not even, like, a down-to-down basis type situation for Kerry Combs. I think it might be, who do you have on the field? And that is one thing that is really interesting with a lot of these teams that recruited very high level where winning a game against another team that is one of the best teams in the country might not be a situation where you put out the person that you trust the most. It might be you need to put out your most talented players. And I kind of feel like Ohio State –
1: I. I think he's an incredibly talented player, and I don't think that if you argue he deserves more snaps, there's going to be many people that say, no, he shouldn't be on the field more often. But I don't think it was the personnel in particular. I think it was just they ran into an opponent where they just kind of threw their guys out there and went with their normal game plan if we're better than you are, and they weren't. They weren't better than Oregon at every single spot. Oregon's offensive line played very well. Ohio State only had one tackle for loss in the entire game. And like last year, the problem with this team was it was getting, it would get plenty of pressure on the quarterback. It just never got home. Today, it didn't do anything. Like they weren't in the backfield. They weren't disrupting anything back there. They weren't putting any pressure on Anthony Brown. They weren't putting any pressure on the Oregon running game. They were just getting blown off the ball. And I feel like this is a defense that, at some point, when you're not getting any pressure, you got to sit there and say, "Well, crap, man, we better what are, whether we start doing stunts or we start bringing some zone blitzes or doing something we don't normally do.
2: We've got to do something to bring pressure." And Ohio State never did. And Tom, they just, I, yeah, go ahead. I I think you nailed it. Right, like they are so simple, but they're not like there. There are some teams we'll talk about one in a little bit that's pretty simple, but they execute extremely well and they know exactly what they're doing. Like Ohio State is not like simple with the purpose of playing fast, or at least if that is the purpose, they don't seem to do so. Like I can see if you're trying to do a whole lot of complex stuff, okay, that's why you're playing slow, but they, they don't play fast relative to what we've seen these guys run in camps as recruits and, uh, you know, basically relative to how how well how athletic we know they are. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm not seeing it with, with this defensive coaching staff right now. At Ohio State and I, I think it's going to hold them back kind of like honestly like, like how Lincoln Riley needed to get rid uh, of of uh, Stoops Prutter you know yeah. and bring in somebody yeah I, I think looking around like the rest of the
1: Big Ten they're probably going to be fine because I don't know that there's any real offenses that can really pose them a ton of problems just based on the matchups but if they get through the Big Ten and then they get to the college football playoff like I I I pick them to win the national title I I I don't think that defense is winning a national title once it has to play another elite team. And I think that, I mean, I don't want to, I can already hear Oregon fans getting ticked off. Cause we're focusing on Ohio state here.
0: Oh no, no, think, no, no. I've got another Ohio state question. Don't worry. Keep going. Okay.
1: But I, I think that Oregon is pr- like not elite, But I think that's the best team in the Pac-12 by far. And I think that that was just a huge statement for that program. Because this isn't like, we could talk about Ohio State playing bad on defense and all that kind of stuff. But this isn't like Ohio State lost the game. Oregon won it. Anthony Brown played magnificent. C.J. Verdell played magnificent. The defense kind of, it didn't shut it down, but they really kind of swallowed up Ohio State's run game for C.J. Stroud to beat him, and he finished with great numbers, but there were also a couple fourth-down situations where Ohio State went for it, and Oregon's defense came up with stops, and that was really the difference today, is that when Oregon's defense actually made plays, Ohio State's never really did until it was too late.
0: 100%. I've, I saw like... On paper, you can look at a Zach Harrison, you can look at Jack Sawyer, you can look at a Haskell Garrett. Like everything looks good along that defensive line. But then when you start to actually do like the depth chart breakdown of the back seven, you're like, nah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that group does. And one thing that I saw was so impressive because Anthony Brown did not like pick apart Ohio State secondary in the same narrative that we had for Ohio State secondary last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, it all came from the Indiana game, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, this Ohio State secondary, they can't defend every, anybody through the passing game. No, this was about being able to muscle up. And Oregon pushed around Ohio State and even on the defensive side. So in the first half, I saw Oregon's defensive line. Put a lot of pressure on CJ Stroud and get a lot of advantage against this Ohio State offensive line. Then in the second half, like a little bit of let up, but when it came time for those like key situations in the fourth quarter, it seemed like the Oregon defensive line still bowed up and found ways to get wins. And when we're putting Thayer Munford on our All American team for our CBS Sports like preseason team, and then he gets a holding call late in the game, that was a soft hold though. Soft told, soft told, but like this is this is one of those moments where you just look and you're saying, like, man, we thought that this Ohio State offense, I thought this Ohio State offense was get off the bus and score 40 points a game. <laughs> right? I mean, do I need to eat that right now? Live?
1: I mean, if they didn't if they could have converted some fourth downs, they would have scored 40 points pretty easily. And I think, I think CJ Stroud played really well today. Again, I think that he got off to another slow start.
0: He had half a thousand. Yeah. The man had yeah. half a thousand
1: yards, but and he, he like, still has, he's got that freshman tendency. Cause like you mentioned, Oregon was putting pressure on him. Stroud brought a lot of that pressure on himself at the end because he does that freshman thing where uh, he doesn't have to uh, leave the pocket and he does and when he leaves the pocket he just makes it easy for the defense to get to him and pressure him so it's like i feel like he's got to learn to just hang in there and let his guys get open for a little longer but yeah no it was just it was a really well played game for stroud i have no problems with him i think that oregon was just again the better team in nearly every facet today
2: they I'm were so- sorry you
1: no,
0: know what like, mean no, no like, like, i'm so sorry like what? oh have-
2: dude she's not a good this year i i don't no nah. Okay. I, after watching Notre Dame against Toledo, I, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I, I thought Ohio State was chunky, right? Like, they, we knew they were going to be explosive and they did have explosive plays, but on a down to down basis, particularly on some of the more le, you know leverage downs, two of five on fourth downs, what, six of 15 on third downs. And they had 32 total first downs. They did a really good job of moving the ball. They just, they didn't convert. I, I'm not really worried about Ohio state's offense all that much. Cause I, I think Trayvon Henderson's a stud and my Williams is good. And I, I think that offensive line will, will keep getting better. Uh, but also I, I just, I think that defense, man, like 6.9 yards per play allowed in the shoe, two sixty nine on the ground, like out physical, but also I think really out schemed, you know, Joe Moorhead just, Totally. Oh, it was a master class. Yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely.
0: Like, we're allowed to give those props, right? Yeah. No, he,
1: he kept, he kept Ohio State off balance the entire game. And at the same time, it was also, he found four or five plays that were just working. And he kept, and that's good offensive coordinators to do that. If the play's working, why the hell would you stop doing it? He just kept going back like three of Oregon's touchdown runs with CJ Verdell and, uh, I think Travis Dye got the other one, all came on the exact same play. <laughs> it was just a sweep to the left. The the receivers went in, the man coverage followed him, left a gaping hole. A couple of guys came out, sealed the edge, and just easy touchdown every single time.
0: It was wild. Wow. Incredible, incredible stuff. All uh, right. So, does Iowa's win against Iowa State? How does it change your in, impact for Iowa or Iowa State more? because on one side here here you go let me give you the hyperbole on both sides i was better than i than ohio state iowa should be your new big 10 favorite hyperbole on the other side iowa state's done they're not going to make the big 12 championship game
1: i didn't think iowa state was going to make the big 12 championship to begin with but then texas lost to arkansas so now i have no idea who oklahoma is going to be playing in the big 12 championship now i i i think iowa is the best team in the big 10 west i wish i could go back and change my pick from wisconsin to iowa there but as far as iowa state i don't think it changes that much at all honestly because this is a team that has lost to iowa of what now six straight times and we've seen them get to the big 12 championship regardless I, i i think that this is still a team that when it comes to playing a conference could prove to be the second best team it's just I think that if you were an Iowa state fan flirting with the idea of a playoff berth, you've got a really kind of cold shower through the first two weeks of the season.
2: I, none of us really thought that though. Right. I mean, nobody on this show did making the playoff. Sorry to to Josh Pate.
1: Shout out to late kick. (laughs) I,
2: I do want to, if I'm going to rip Rutgers later or just say, I don't, I don't really buy into Rutgers, you know, um, I kind of need to do the same thing for Iowa now. 173 <laughs> yards total, and, and and they win the game by 10. Uh, look, I I bet Iowa. Uh, did I have the wrong team? I don't think so necessarily, but like certainly on a down to down basis, you know they weren't like that much better than, than Iowa State if at all. Just critical turnovers for for Iowa State were really the difference in this game. Four. Um, yeah. Also, I mean what, one one pass over 25 yards for, for Iowa State I think the, the 49 yarder before was, the half it was uh yeah they had one the what they had a 49 yard
1: pass and they had the next biggest play was a 23 yard pass yeah. when the game was over late in the fourth quarter
0: no there was never a doubt there was yeah. never a moment when Iowa State was moving the ball on offense and it felt like it had an advantage like we are talking about one of it's, the best defenses in the country I don't think that that is being paid enough attention. Like, we're like, oh, yeah, it's another Iowa, Iowa State low scoring game. Like, Iowa won. They had a couple turnovers. They figured out a way to get a bunch of hidden yards with the interception returns and good special teams play, which is all true and all very Iowa and all very Iowa, Iowa State. But at the same time, I still think we have to like pay credit to something that is a carryover from last season and is a carryover from the last couple seasons. Is that this just might be a nasty, like capital N nasty Iowa defense? So it,
1: it very well could be. And I think it is a very good defense. It's just, it's still going to be interesting to see what happens when they're not getting two pick sixes or forcing four turnovers and they need their offense to put together a game or a drive to win for them. And I mean, at times like I, I like, mentioned this in- missed
0: field goals, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like there were like drives right. that Iowa State had that were successful when you got into scoring position and then you get a stop mm-hmm. and then you leave it to a field goal and ends up being a missed field goal. That is a defense win. Yeah, for sure.
1: But it like if Iowa is going to be a, it's they're going to lose at some point unless they get better on offense, period.
2: Yes. You you don't think they can stay going uh, 173 yards total and uh, 106 yards through the air? You know, but I think
1: that at 2.9 yards per play, they're probably in danger. But if they get up to 3.3, they're going to be
2: dangerous. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, this was definitely a rock fight, right? Yes. Uh, So the turnovers and some of the special team stuff, they sort of matter more when all our our things are, are equal. And you could say... Iowa State outgained them by 163 yards or 166, whatever. Like, that's that's fair. They did, but they still only had 339 yards. So it's not like they were running up and down the field on these guys. Part of it was in sort of, like, pseudo garbage time-ish. And I thought, this is weird to say, but I, I almost think Iowa was more physical in this game, despite the fact they really didn't move the ball, like, at all.
0: I would not contest that. I mean, they're just... uh
1: like I d- Iowa, Iowa State needs somebody explosive on that offense cuz there's just there's no fear on that like if I'm a defensive coordinator said it all
2: summer Tom you said yeah, it I said yeah.
1: it we all said it there's just there's nothing to be scared of like they're solid they're well coached they do they do things well but they've got to put together long drives and it's hard to do that consistently
2: mm. You know the other thing is we look at the yardage disparity here And I knew Iowa State had more yards than than Iowa did, but 15 plays for 135 of those came on the final two drives Mm -hmm. when it was basically kind of garbage time. Like Iowa was going to let them have that as as long as they took some time off. Iowa, yeah. Iowa was just like in a cover four shell for the most part in those two drives.
0: So, how much panic do we have for Texas? I mean,. This is a team that goes on the road as a seven point favorite. We're all on board thinking that all gas, no breaks is still going to work in Fayetteville that Arkansas it, with KJ Jefferson is not going to really intimidate us. The six and a half, seven point spread is disrespectful <laughs> to Steve Sarkeesian and everything that we've seen from Texas so far. 40 to 21 is the final as Yes, sir. Parker and Chase are in Sanford, so let me do it one more time, <laughs> way louder than I than I would ever do on another instant reaction pod. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, like think- dominant, dominant from start to finish. There yeah, was I- like, never a doubt; they never trailed. It was never in doubt. The Razorbacks take care of business. I talked all that smack. About how Steve Sarkeesian was coming out on the microphone, talking about, like, hey, this is the SEC mentality. This is an SEC environment. We can't wait to be SEC when Texas goes to the SEC. This is going to be a statement game for Steve Sarkeesian. Woo, boy. Yes, sir.
1: See, I think you're asking the wrong question. Question isn't should we be worried about Texas? It's are we ready to talk about Arkansas being the second best team in the SEC West? Nah.
0: Take, convince me,
1: did convince you see A and M on the road today against Colorado? Did you see LSU? Have you seen all? Oh, I I don't know, man. Hey, hey,
0: hey, I got you. I got you. I got you.
1: <laughs> that was just a really impressive performance by Arkansas. And that defense, like. I don't know where I would put it as far as like the talent level, but they play mean. They play hard. Everybody on that defense is going a hundred percent the whole time. And they were up in Texas's ass. It was just really fun to watch, aside from the fact that we had the the lock on Texas. So we lost that. But once you got past it, I was just sitting back and enjoying it. And I again, Sam Pittman, if you're listening, I'm sorry for doubting you. I'm sorry. I'm back on the Hogsport train.
2: You know, you get a young quarterback in, in Hudson Card, wants to push the ball, create explosive plays. Arkansas doesn't really allow that. I thought he would do a better job of hitting stuff underneath. I was wrong about that. I, I really thought he would and just, you know, wasn't able to. They, they did a decent job on Bajan Robinson for the most part. And Texas defense, uh, that was a question I think we talked about on the locks pod coming in, right? How would they handle a different challenge? Uh, a team that could actually chuck it around a little bit. Although KJ Jefferson, really not a good thrower of the football for the most part. Uh, They, they ran all over him tonight. So Texas defense definitely has some considerable questions going forward. I don't hate it. uh, You know, like I I don't, I don't hate my over seven and a half on Texas still after seeing some of the other big 12 games, but yeah. um, Yeah. Like they're, they're not, uh, they're not there yet.
0: So, there's a lot of comments right now. And I understand that so many of the listeners of this podcast, like I'm I'm not being cocky. Thousands of listeners of this podcast are going to be getting this on Sunday and not dealing with it live. But if you are watching live on youtube.com slash cover three, as a lot of people are, a lot of people want to know if Bud has realized that Florida state has lost.
2: Oh, I watched it live while I was talking to Ohio state.
0: Okay. Go so go back and check
2: play. the tape. See if you can figure out the uh the, I saw the, it, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> that was some pretty shitty tackle or poor tackling there <laughs> on that in sequence. No, look, they're they're not any good. Um, you know, we'll we'll see if, if they can bounce back. Probably not. I, against Wake. But uh yeah, I I I don't want to put out a whole show that's just hey, a, a team that with a five and a half win total loses to an FCS team. Like we could talk about it, I guess. But
1: I kind of thought people wanted to talk about like better teams. Danny's watching us right now live and crying.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, has Danny texted us yet? No, Danny's, is, Danny's he's in so, New York, right?
1: Danny's on radio, he's on radio silence right now. <laughs> he is not talking about the Noles. He will not be talking about the Noles until we force him to on Monday. <laughs> yeah,
0: bud, uh, you missed yeah. out on... Uh talking about the Knowles as a weekly segment when I forced Danny to talk about Florida state once a week last year when, in Mike Norvell
2: year one. All right. So I, I do want to say something. Okay. I did say on Monday show that I was not sold on Mackenzie Milton, right? Mm-hmm. Despite great story, feel good, all this other stuff. I was like, I don't know, man, like kind of a cap gun for an arm, quick release. Like, I don't see, uh, Notre Dame really didn't bring a lot of pressure against him in that game. Uh, 18 of 31 for 133, a touchdown in the pick. Not the savior. Sorry. Like I, I hate hate to be the, the stomper of narratives here. I just I wasn't sold on Monday. Did take a lot of crap for that on Twitter that I just I wasn't buying into the feel good story. I didn't think it was going to go like this, obviously, because Jacksonville State lost like 31-0 to UAB. Um but like I was like, I I sit on Nolcast. Like, I have no idea what to make of UAB. Like Zaire Cooper's a pretty decent FCS quarterback. They either don't have anything around him or they just played like total garbage against UAB. And well,
0: Coco pointed out uh in the private chat that like Danny has said all week, like I'm worried about the letdown. Yes. It was crazy. And, like I'm I'm I know that it's Jacksonville State, but I'm worried about where this team's gonna be at. As we, uh, as we get into that game. So that's uh, that's very disappointing. And yeah, you had the over on the win total. This is one that uh, that makes you very nervous. But hey, I took a lot of L's today. So on, on win totals, you know, like...
1: Uh, I think my Kansas State win total died today.
0: Yes! Scott
1: uh, We don't know what the injury is yet, but based on the reaction from Chris Kleeman and just the way he was talking about it after the game, I think... I think we might have seen the last of Skylar Thompson this season.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I missed that one. I wasn't live betting that
1: one. It was it was a non-contact <laughs> knee injury, and there are images of Cleveland just on the field, just like on his knees, just looking. Yeah, what did we a
2: five or five and a half?
1: They were at five, five and, and a half. half, and I mean they won, but it's just they nearly lost to Southern Illinois after Thompson left the game and will howard had to come in so I'm, I'm not optimistic about the wildcats and that again going back to what we were talking about with texas and iowa state in the big 12 that's another reason why i still think that texas could be okay in the big 12 i still think iowa state could be okay in the big 12 because we've seen some bad performances from those teams this last week or two spencer sanders is bad are we able to say that out loud now i i think we can say that right I mean, I feel like it's been a year and two games. I'm testing, now, that. I feel I'm like, testing yeah.
0: that against, uh, I know I'm testing that against like a live audience on YouTube, but I'm testing that against trusted friends. And I feel like if it was like a false statement that the two of you who I love and respect would blow back at me. And so uh, Spencer Sanders is bad. What you got to say?
1: <laughs> I mean, he was great that freshman year with Tylan Wallace and it has not been very good since like there was a lot of you know potential there's a lot of baby progress to be hoped for but he i had I one stick
0: it. throw all right so he had one good throw where like someone was right in his face and he delivered it like on the mark mm-hmm. but it was after he had also just thrown an interception who there's who no have... anticipation
1: yeah yeah who could have foreseen Oklahoma State Tulsa becoming like the new El Asico in Oklahoma? It's like Oklahoma's version, the Dust Bowl version of El Asico.
0: Yeah, I want Yeah, bar- be with Iowa State being Oklahoma State, and the fact that so Tulsa's Iowa or <laughs> Iowa always wins. <laughs>
1: Uh, i'm just saying it's it's not a low score it's not a it's not a high scoring fun game it's not the typical kind of oklahoma state performance we used to see but that's been the case the last couple years and that also coincides with spencer sanders at quarterback
0: (laughs) yes um all right so there were a lot of significant quarterback injuries throughout the day bud which one stood out to you as like some of the most significant when you like Start readjusting after this
2: week. So I, I, mean, I think there's two there's two big ones. Well, I, I guess I, I've totally forgot about Scotter. So three, I'll, I'll take Haynes King uh, to to see him on crutches. There, that doesn't seem like something that's going to be a, a quick return necessarily. And you know we'll we'll see how that goes. But you know Zach Calzada uh, has a huge arm, but doesn't seem to operate that offense very well. And that offense, for the most part, is a lot of you know, shorter rhythm passes. it also kind of took Am out of what they wanted to do in terms of playing up tempo we talked about that on the lock spot Am in the spring had played up tempo last week they played up tempo today they decidedly uh, did not play up tempo and I just I don't know I think you need more of a playmaker at that spot or a guy who's a better player I think like King not that not that King is an amazing quarterback but you know now if you're Alabama, Ah, uh, you you look around the West and you're saying, "Who? What? What are we going to work on each week as we prep for the playoff? Because I don't know who's beating them in the West. And I know Bama's not perfect, but like that that's a pretty significant injury as far as shaping the SEC. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I enjoy spending time with Michael Grande. I don't know. What everybody else's relationship is with him. But um I
1: hate him. I've always hated him. Always will like, hate
0: him. AL.com, Alabama Beat Rider. It's
1: on site Casa
0: <laughs> At one time, a uh, rapid reporter, I believe, mm-hmm. for uh for
1: CBS Sports. Oh, you're going way back in the day.
0: Yeah. So uh so Big House said this is as bad of a Alabama offense as I've seen and a home opener in 12 years, and they still cruised. Like, do you all realize how much further ahead Alabama is than everybody else? And it's so funny because that has been the number one theme that I've faced through so many of my conversations about college football in the last, like, six to nine days is that these teams can get better. Oh, my God, what's wrong with, like, this team? Well, you know what? they could get better. They didn't play well. They did this thing well. They did not do this thing well. If they improved this thing, they might be good because we're talking about the top 10 to 15 teams in the country. And the thing about this Alabama team and the thing about many Alabama teams is they just start out with like, I don't know, a three-month advantage and no one knows where that three-month goal comes from except from the fact that it's just Nick Saban and the process and the program and like everything else that you buy into and all of the Sabanization, like you just look at this Alabama team. And even as Nick Saban spends the entire week talking about all the things that are wrong, the squad takes the field and they win the game handily. And not just like by a margin that might cover the spread or might not cover the spread, but just The kind of result where you watch it and there's never a doubt, never a doubt, and there's just not anyone else in the country who's got that going on right now. So I like.
1: I mean, I I will say like they're playing Mercer, but they only had 424 yards of offense. They only averaged six and a half yards per play. So like when you when you do think about it, like I, I was making fun of Saban because he was so. In typical, oh, we're playing an FCS team mode all week, where he's just trying to like, oh, this team's not ready, blah blah blah, rat poison, rat poison. But he was pissed after today's win, and it's like looking at the box score. It's like I kind of get it, you know what I mean? Like it's they're not a perfect team. They do have they do have some growing to do. They 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 should be beating Mercer by like fifty just by walking out onto the field. So the fact that they only won by thirty four and they barely cover, they actually they didn't cover. It's just. There's, there's clearly stuff to work on. And I bet Saban's
2: thrilled. I bet he, you loves it. Yeah. I bet you they called this game to highlight the things that this team doesn't do very well in practice so he can actually complain about them not doing it very well in a game. I mean, yes, the, don't you think Jackers. he relishes this? <laughs> a, yes. Like, absolutely. I'm not saying, like, like, they didn't try to cover or they didn't try to win. Obviously, like, they knew they are going to win. But, man, you might as well. Like, like that's pretty that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I don't think they're gonna be challenged in the West. No, I don't either. <laughs> that's why
0: no, that's going back to what I was saying yeah. about Arkansas. Also, so, yes back to the point is that everyone is saying, like, yeah, Alabama, man, they got some things they gotta improve on. I don't think anyone's gonna challenge them. They might not cover
2: the spread sometimes if they've got flaws. Like Auburn. Okay, really, really nice week one, kind of sloppy today. Week two, played Akron week one. Temple went on the road and housed Akron this week and put up eight yards of play. So now I'm thinking, well, I don't know, like how crisp really is this, this Bo Nix Auburn offense if uh, if Temple can go on the road to Akron, the same team that Auburn housed and uh, put up eight yards of play. that That's concerning to me there as they go to Happy Valley next week.
0: Coming up on the other side, We've got an SEC East challenger to Georgia. A little bit of a quarterback controversy and much more from our week two observations next. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having
0: difficulty hiring. word around the Florida program seems to be that everyone loves Anthony Richardson. Everyone loves Anthony Richardson, but Emory Jones remains a starter. And even after some struggles, Dan Mullen says, Hey, is, uh, is Emory Jones still your starter? Yeah. Yeah. Is his answer. So what do we think? I know that it was USF, but as we look at Florida in the context of a challenger to Georgia, how do we feel about the quarterback position after week two?
2: I mean, neither of them are precision passers at this point. I think Richardson is going to be a much better player than Jones will be down, down the line. Do we know what the injury is? Because like I know oh, he, got, he got hurt late hey. in the game. It was okay, ham- hamstring.
0: Yeah, and it, was, it was just like his hammy tightened up. There is no indication based on everything that I've been able to obtain uh, that it is a long-term situation.
1: And plus yeah. it was 35 to three at halftime. So like if there was anything, they were just going to be playing it safe. I mean, I didn't really see any of Florida last week. I only saw bits and pieces of this game today, so I can't really make a judgment. Like I, I know that looking at the numbers, like, Richardson seems to be big play after big play because this is a guy who he was three for three today for 150 yards and two touchdowns passing and he ran the ball four times for 115 yards and a touchdown so it seems like every time he touches the ball there's a big play and I don't think you're seeing as much of that clearly with Emery Jones so I can understand why Florida fans definitely like there's a there's a lot of talk that you know they want Richardson to take over the starting job I don't know. I haven't seen enough of them to really have my own opinion. I'm worth trusting, but based off the numbers, I know which way I'm leaning.
2: Yeah. I mean, he operates the offense. I think Emory offense the, operates the offense probably better at this point, but I think Richardson's a much better, like long-term player. The question is like, how much, how much runway do you have before the Georgia game? Cause unless you can beat Alabama next weekend, uh, you kind of need to have all eyes for it on that. And also, like Kentucky may not be a gimme, right? Like no. that's that's gonna be an interesting game to go, to go up there and watch. They they scored a whole bunch tonight, and they had what seven and a half yards play. Uh, Should have had even more scores if Chris Rodriguez doesn't fumble into the end zone there. Uh, the one time, like they they look pretty damn good on offense. They're they're still physical enough on the run game. They we haven't lost that identity there at Kentucky. You know, like I thought that was something pretty interesting. I, I I learned something about them this week because last week was ULM and I thought ULM was just terrible and they kind of are. Um, but like 341 yards on the ground, Sea Rod went for 200. You know, Will Levis is not a great passer. Like he's not super mm-hmm. accurate or consistent. And I think when Kentucky loses, it'll be because of that because like he's not able to just bomb it over the top. Uh, but there's plenty of teams they can bomb it over the top with 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 hard play action off that run game and uh you know defensively like they give up 28 that's that's okay if you actually have an offense now it, it, it was not okay in previous years at UK
1: yeah he only I mean after like bombing the hell out of ULM last week they only threw the ball 18 times today with Levis it was more of, it was a much more run heavy approach there's there was also the one play it was like a third down and he was scrambling and it was like third and seven. And he lowered his shoulder into the linebacker and just bowled him over to get the first down. And it was like the entire Kentucky sideline just was like, there was that whole moment where it was like, yeah, that's our guy that that's you guys can have fun with the whole eating banana thing but that that's why that dude's our quarterback because he's just it's it's one of those things where there's just kind of like a vibe around that Kentucky team right now that's i think good i don't think that's you know they're beating florida or they're beating georgia or anything of that nature but i think that they're very solidly in control for that third place in the east right now
2: uh speaking of quarterbacks quarterback changes Tanner McKee is balling right now for Stanford and yeah 11 for 151 and two tutties they're up 21
1: to 10 on usc at halftime so i mentioned this in the group chat like it's perfectly packed 12 that we could see usc or oregon start the day with a win over or with ohio state which is probably the conference's biggest regular season win in a decade and then they'll finish tonight with washington usc and utah all losing
0: so are you impressed by michigan or more disappointed by washington because washington is now 0 and two right washington's bad
1: it's i mean well contextualized that offense is there's it's the same situation with iowa state where there's absolutely nothing on that offense to fear and i also feel like they're more conservative with what they're trying to do as far as play calling like They waited tonight until the game was pretty much over and they were out of it before they really kind of opened things up. And obviously Michigan being more of a shell defense at that point helped. But I mean, this is a Washington team that started the season ranked 20th. And I'm wondering if it's going to win more than seven games.
2: I've already marked my Washington season win as a loss in my column. Um, They're not going to run through the Pac-12. When Penn State fired John Donovan... They won the they won the Big Ten next year. I, I thought my friend Bill Connolly put it well on Twitter. He's like, "You've had your entire career to think about what you want to do if you become a head coach, and you chose this. Like, why, How in the hell are you running this offense? This is not an acceptable offense to run in the year 2021. It's just not. Like, it, it's it's terrible. Nobody runs this for a reason. Puts way too much on the kids." The the, the trade off there is not explosive enough. It's very predictable.
0: Um, I mean, do you want to hear the so wrong argument now. for the sake of content? Sure. Okay, I have watched a lot of offenses be bad in college football in 2021 in the way they weren't in 2020. And one of my like early notes on my notepad is that for whatever reason, with the limited offseason, no spring practice, no, uh, you know. Restricted fall camp. I felt like the offenses were ahead of the defenses. And I feel like in a very flip of that this year, I've observed through two weeks and, you know, still some games that are left to play as we're recording. um, The defenses have, have kind of had their strikes back, their empire strikes back moment. Like I, I think that where we saw the offenses be way ahead of the defenses in the pandemic year, I think that we've seen some defensive battles and it's not just in the high profile uh national broadcast games it's kind of all the way down the line. I mean it's just been even when there's points scored it's because of special teams. Like there has not been a lot of offensive efficiency, offensive explosiveness in the level that we saw from a year ago. And I kind of think that that might be from there being uh another year, another like tilt of the past the chalk Theory and you know, just um, some time for defenses to be able to prepare. So I just think that, you know, if, if you are an offense, that's kind of struggling a little bit or sputtering a little bit, I, I will give you two more weeks before I bail on you entirely. I'm bailing on Washington's offense. Totally bailing on. Oh yeah, that's no fine. no
1: shot. <laughs> fine. See, this game, though, the the most funniest part is we're ragging on Washington's offense. Michigan threw for 44 yards.
2: <laughs> they're wasting no a pretty damn good defense. Like that's yeah. a nice defense, and they're just they're
0: wasting it. Well, yeah. the whole. Did, will you? Did you have the uh, the commentary on for the Michigan Washington game? Some of it, not all of it. So. Oh, boy. Blackledge, right? This is good. So they are pumping it up like, well, I'll tell you what. This is just like Harbaugh Stanford teams. Look at these tight ends coming in. Look at the way they run it with their running backs. Oh, Michigan's just like a Stanford team now. (laughs) That's the narrative. The narrative is even though we're not explosive because we lost Ronnie Bell, which is the reason why Michigan was not explosive because they lost their best playmaker in the passing game. Now they will just roll out two tight ends and rotate a bunch of running backs and get a bunch of running yards and win games with that very good defense. The narrative will be that it's a throwback to Harbaugh Stanford teams. So just get ready for that.
1: They had two dudes rush for over 150 tonight, Coram and Haskins.
0: They are good backs. TRF. TRF. That's a good one-two punch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. T. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so what else do we have uh, on y'all's notepads? Notre
1: Dame. Did you guys watch it?
2: Uh, No, because I don't have a peacock.
1: I think, think Toledo is going to win the MAC. <laughs>
2: that's
1: that's my biggest takeaway. It's like, well, also like Florida State losing to Jacksonville State and then Notre Dame just surviving by the skin of its teeth at home against Toledo on a app that a lot of people don't have. I just feel like Notre Dame might not be that good and Toledo might be one of the better teams. I mean, Jack Cohn was all right. I didn't see most of this game because –
0: but Tyler Buckner played and yeah. had a touchdown pass. Yeah, but I mean that t- the touchdown
1: pass he threw was like a seven yard pass that Chris Tyree then took, you know, fifty five yards to the house.
0: Okay, all right. So then I follow up with the next thing, which is uh, I'm I'm the, the same little stunt I did on the early edge. Watch us on the early edge, three p.m. <laughs> on uh, the Sportsline YouTube channel, but uh, right off the dock right here. Uh, Tyler Buckner debut didn't run the ball well for the second straight game. Yeah,
1: that's my big Inter-
0: Yeah. Dame Inter- plus one hundred yards, three turnovers.
1: Yeah, they only averaged three point four yards per carry. Take away sacks, it was it was five point one. But still, they that's two games now where they haven't really found a lot of success on the ground. And if you take away Buckner's, you know, sixty eight yards, like they really like. Kyron Williams only had 78 yards on 16 carries. And it was one thing last week when it was happening against Florida state with unable to run the ball against Toledo. That's kind of sending up some red flags for me.
0: Yeah, that was my big observation as well. If you've got two straight games where you cannot do the thing that you are supposed to do, which is dominate opponents at the line of scrimmage and run the ball with a running back room that I think is very talented, it's in trouble.
2: They did lose some guys, offensive linemen from that FSU game, who were being held out. I don't know how long they're going to be out. So like their personnel wise is down. That that'll be something to monitor as as we go through this thing, right? Um, but that's concerning. If you if you if you have Kyron Williams and and, and you have Chris Tyree and you're not able to really run the ball, uh I think Toledo is on the butt Elliott fantasy team right Mm -hmm, for the for the cover three league which i'm gonna need because i know some other picks really are not killing it right now um jacksonville state ulm next week by the way not to bring it back to jack state (laughs) game of the week dude if if they get that i'm probably gonna cash an under ticket on ulm (laughs) okay so Uh, we gotta talk about nc state dude holy cow they come out they are like dominating on the stat sheet. They have like 150 to five yardage edge. They don't cash anything in. And then it was like, they just quit. It was like, I don't know. It, it was, it's weird. It's almost as if, if like, you know, you're, you're throwing a really, really good game. Guy fouls off a couple pitches, hits a solo shot off you. And you know, your, your own offense loads the bases a bunch of times, doesn't actually score. And then all of a sudden you just pack it in. Like after that, they just got dominated by 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 Mississippi State. It it was it was funky. I was watching the game like "I, I feel pretty good about this, right? Like NC State, they're moving the ball effectively. Mississippi State is getting no pressure on Leary to start. They've had like a drop or two, but like they're getting guys open against this defense. And then just clamps. Mississippi State just just shut them down. They couldn't hit hit anything explosively at all. And NC State's coverage started really suffering. That was embarrassing.
0: I mean, can I get a a non local like it, you understand that this is a trend, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tom, do you know this is a trend? No. Um. Like I mean, recently Kentucky, the bowl game. You can take it back to some South Carolina games. Like there's just this long history. Of going out of conference against a power five opponent and getting spanked and just, and like just not playing yourself, you know, just not playing your game and getting like getting out of position, getting behind the chains, making dumb mistakes. And then all of a sudden you look back at it at the end of the season and you say, that wasn't a good representation of who we were. But like on the road at West Virginia in 2019, I know that NC State went four and eight that season. But at the same time, in that moment, we looked at that game as like kind of a pivot point for that NC State team. And I would argue that based on the personnel, that was a game that they could have won. Um, there was a like a South Carolina game way back in the day, like there was uh the Kentucky Bowl game that I mentioned before. Like, there were all these power conference, non conference games for this NC State team under Dave Doran, who by the way has been there for like eight years. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, man, like that is the frustration because you beat all the teams that you're supposed to beat, and then in these moments where you're like, hey, let's do this, let's saddle up. Let's beat this Mississippi state team and let's let them know what the deal is. Like they lost to Mississippi state in the belt bowl, but that was Dak Prescott and Dan Mullen and like a really, really good Mississippi state team. But at the same time for the Wolfpack, a group that we have talked about on this podcast as being higher than the win totals as being higher than the odds. This is like a a very cold shower. In terms of, uh, like, this is what you are type moment.
1: I do think it's a good win for Mississippi State, though.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: I think that maybe this is a Bulldogs team that could be, you know, better than we thought. They they got off to that really slow start against Louisiana Tech last week. They fought back and won. And as Bud is mentioning, like, the way this game was going early, this is a game that probably could have gotten out of hand for Mississippi State, but they held firm. They stayed in control. And they took it over, and they finished it. And I think that's a good job for Mississippi State. I and just going on the rest of the ACC. It's just it's been a very weird day in the ACC. Like obviously Florida State loses. NC State lost that game. Miami nearly lost to App State. Held on. BC kind of messed around with UMass. Virginia Tech beat Middle Tennessee, but that was kind of close. And then there was this one game. I don't know if you saw it, but but uh, Rutgers beat Syracuse seventeen to seven.
2: I, I did I, I, a well-deserved win for Rutgers. Solid fundamental game for them. Move the ball well on the ground. Actually, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I let me pull this this <laughs> so, R- Rutgers wins and and covers. And like at, at some point, this magic will have to stop. But I mean, um, I, you know, only after I keep doubling down against them. So Rutgers had 195 total yards. They had 2.7 yards per play. On the day, uh, Syracuse lost four fumbles and had one kind of ridiculous personal foul call against them, one which was also pretty deserved. Uh, no Dino drop tonight for us. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Dwight. Uh, so, I mean, I like on a down to down basis, records continues to get outplayed in a lot of these games and just magic its way into it. They have a really, really good punter, um, which helps. Again, Kind of like we talked about with Iowa and Iowa State, if you play in this sort of 2.7 yards per play range, but your opponent also doesn't really do a whole lot on offense, uh, Syracuse 4, 4.2, anything can happen, and those turnovers are pretty big because they're like the only way to flip the field as opposed to actually creating an explosive play. Uh, Rutgers on the day, they're long, long plays per player, 9-11, so uh, one guy had a play over over thirty yards.
1: Noah draw. twenty two for twenty eight for a hundred and forty five <laughs> yards. So like we're all taking Delaware next week, right? Yeah, Delaware's a pretty good FCS team. They're two and zero. I bet you they're going to get like twenty something on the spread against Rutgers. I'm taking the Blue Hens.
2: I think I think you know Rutgers defense is a solid defense. Rutgers offense even though I really like coordinator Sean Gleason is pretty bad, you know? So um, that's, that's problematic. Can I say that on air? I, I'm reading that in the private. I just want to acknowledge that I'm seeing this in, in the private comments, but uh, um, I do want to bring it back to BC real fast because we talked about how they struggled as well. And I have the ACC recap on in the background and this is a depressing as heck ACC recap right now. Like you got EJ manual with, with his head in his hands and, they're trying to go through this. Like, well, Miami won.
0: Oh, on the network? Oh, oh <laughs> ACC
2: network right now is gold if, if you, if you like absolutely <laughs> shot him for it. Um, but so, Jerkovic, uh, or Jerko- how say- Jerkovic, how do we have said Bill Jerkovic? Why am I saying Jerkovic? Anyway, Jerkovic, uh, he left that game against UMass with a wrist injury, um, and didn't come back in. And then Zay Flowers left a game with some, t- some type of injury. I wasn't watching this live, by the way. Uh, and he did come back in, but, uh, if your cannot play for them, I don't know who they oh, have next week. Trouble. Oh, they have Missouri next week. Yeah. Uh, they are not going to beat Missouri with Dennis Grossel. I don't know if Chip, you, you're an AC guy. Remember Dennis Grossel had to play for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like two years ago.
0: I always said Grossell. I could be wrong about could that. Could be
2: Grossel as well. Yeah. I'm just mispronouncing every player on Boston College's roster tonight. Um, Boston (laughs) College. Yeah, uh, this is that's problematic because he is kind of their offense,
0: and their defense isn't great.
2: Oh no, Uh, UMass scored twenty eight on UMass, and it wasn't totally a fluky twenty eight. I mean they they had. I can find it here.
1: I mean, to be fair, the Minutemen were extremely due.
2: I mean, yeah, they. Like they had twenty first downs. They they rushed for one hundred twenty one. They passed for two fourteen. I mean, it, it, that's that's a solid. Like that's not barely over three hundred. That's like three hundred thirty yards, guys. Yep. From UMass, that's that's pretty solid. All right, let's. Uh, all right, before we get
0: out of here, let's do some uh, some live viewer answers. SEC West power rankings on the spot. Everyone's going Bama one. Bama one. Arkansas too, a and m. No, 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 no. Really? Who's got better Arkansas wins than two? Arkansas? Ole has got better wins. Power rankings. Power got rankings got- are not resume rankings. No, but power. Did they?
1: They beat up Texas this week. That's the best team anybody in that division's beaten so far. All right, it's your power rankings continue. Alabama, Arkansas, a and m. Ole Miss, Auburn. Mississippi State, LSU. But LSU last. I mean, not really, but
2: yeah. Are we assuming that King is out for A and Yeah, but they, they did still win the game. Um,
0: and what has Haynes King done as a starting quarterback? He was named the starter, but he also threw a bunch of interceptions in his debut, and then he got hurt.
2: I, I, okay, look, I'm not saying the coaches always pick the right quarterback. I'm going to assume that Jimbo's picking the right quarterback here, which look doesn't always do, but because of how bad Calzada looked and how bad the offense looked when he was in, I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt that King is probably a better player. Bama won. Uh, I kind of just don't want to rank anybody second. Right, and just make like a huge tie for third, and like a huge tie for sixth, because I really don't feel like like that that using the number two is not really fair to the number one in this case, because it, it implies that somebody is actually kind of close, and, and they're not. I will say old Miss two um, shoot, I, Arkansas. Uh, fine, Arkansas. Okay, yeah. like, you know, oh. they, look, they look good tonight, but I don't really buy that. Like uh, T- Tom is, is a, just you know, peer influencer. pressure be here. Yeah, <laughs> Tom's on. Tom's on the influencer thing. I will say, no, I can't put Arkansas there. Realistically, like <laughs> Man, they did, the they highest. did look kind of bad against Rice for for a good part of that game. I will go AM because of the defense. I'll go a- AM three. LSU looked bad again tonight, especially offensively. So I guess i'll go man i don't know this is really tough like no it's not alabama one
0: texas a&m two lsu three these are power rankings these are not resume rankings
2: okay lsu may have the bottom dropout We'll, we'll see Ole miss
0: four arkansas five
1: that went over mcneese really convinced chip Mississippi State, six.
0: Who do I have left? Auburn? Auburn, seven. You've got Auburn seven? Auburn's two and oh. Auburn, hey, listen. What you did in your two games, Auburn, does not resonate on my spreadsheet. (sighs) Y'all see what Auburn did to Alabama? State. State. They beat
1: Alabama State by sixty.
0: Yo, Auburn ran it up on Alabama State. <laughs> it's I don't know awesome. Like they they did a great job. Like uh, Bo Nix actually only completed like nine of sixteen passes, barely over fifty percent. But it, you know when the, you're doing a good job of defending Alabama State, then you can really do a great job on the scoreboard when you're Auburn whooping. Alabama state
2: <laughs> I did you guys watch the BC mass game because that's on my screen right now and like I, they're wearing the uniforms um the, the red bandana red uniforms bandana, yeah. and this this thing looks like it was shot with a camera that, that they that they still have around from 911 like <laughs> like it is not an HD this is amazing um this is don't
0: listen man this yeah. is like we were recording this live and very raw but they had you know that's a storyline right? Oh yeah. About Wait. the cameras. Like some of these streaming broadcasts. Have you heard any have you have you talked to any Baylor fans about how they feel?
2: Oh about, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it
0: about before. their broadcasts. Like it's you know, it's like say, Oh my god, there's a controversial call, they didn't get it right. And it's like, no, literally, they don't have cameras. Uh-huh. They, don't, they don't have cameras at some of these games. We might be dealing with like actual high school football like level support of cameras, so. But not so- like
2: Texas high school football, like you know some state <laughs> that doesn't care about high school football that much, like South Dakota seven right. on seven ball. Um. Let me let me throw this out there to you. Does Virginia? Have an explosive offense. Why do we need to talk about this? Why?
1: Why do we have to talk about this game? This game happened like days ago, as far as I could tell. No, yeah. Virginia's got a really fun offense. Like every single play that they're doing, there's a bunch of motion before the snap, and it's all playing off one another for the entire game plan. And it's just completely meant to confuse the defense. And they did that very well against Illinois today. But yeah, no, they are fun. They are explosive. And that's a team that. In the ACC this year, in the Coastal, might be making some noise because that
2: defensively they're solid,
1: offensively they're fun.
2: Brennan Armstrong just bombs it after Mm -hmm. all that motion. He's like, "All right, cool, motion, 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 motion. Let's go." Yeah, I mean top. Illinois' past defense was caca
1: today, but here's just a list of some of the plays that Virginia had in the air. 31, 32 yards, 39 yards, 28 yards, 23, 21, 28, 35, 28. Just because like, the defense is following all this motion, checking out the backfield, and completely losing track of guys running down the seams or behind them. It's a really fun team to watch. Like, It's like I want to just kind of grind Virginia offensive tape.
0: So is Illinois... Win total over dead.
1: I think so. I mean, you know what? It's kind of the same situation as Ohio state. I think that any team capable of throwing the ball. will be able to put up yards and points on Illinois pretty easily. But if you look around the big 10 West, like the reason Nebraska lost Illinois is because they can't throw Adrian Martinez can't pass. He's a, he's a running quarterback. Uh, Iowa hasn't really been super successful throwing the ball. Northwestern hasn't really been super successful throwing the ball. So when you look around the West, I can't say we're it's lost. I'm not confident in it, but I, I don't think this Virginia win this Virginia win wasn't part of the calculus anyway, as far as getting them over. So I'm not giving up on it, but it's not looking great after the last two weeks. That UTSA loss kind of stings as far as our win total is concerned.
0: Well, but do you think that Virginia is legitimately a threat to a North Carolina or Miami? Mm, I,
2: I want to see more from that defense because I, I don't really trust Illinois' throw game enough to to really make a good evaluation on how good their pass defense is. Like I think Illinois probably could run the ball. Um, you know, I, I. But it depends. Like, how good do we think North Carolina and Miami are? I
1: right? don't think Miami's very good at all.
2: Yeah, like they could get it together. I mean, credit to them, you know, for obviously for not losing following the Bama game. We've seen a ton of teams basically fall apart after Bama smokes in week one. Um, North Carolina, they put it on Georgia State tonight. So like that, I'm pretty sure they, they finished and covered that thing. So that that's, that's encouraging for them. Um, but if those teams are more of that kind of eight and four, nine and three level with the right bounces, there's no reason why UVA can't, Get in that mix. Also, vatech same deal. Like they didn't play very well today, but they already have the tiebreaker over the Tar Heels. Uh, so it's, we could go be going back to kind of like the ACC wheel of randomness thing.
0: Question right here What teams impressed you today, excluding the Oregon Ducks?
2: Well, Vanderbilt, obviously, right? You know, start out, start to finish exactly how you want. Uh, and I, I love the shirt. Tom's wearing. I got the hat too. Look. Oh, wow. That is cool.
1: This hat took a month to get here from Nashville. Shout out to the Vanderbilt bookstore. I'm sure you guys aren't used to sending things in the mail to Chicago.
2: So they're up-gained like 320 to 100 to start the game. Like, well, this is pretty embarrassing. They're, they're like 1.8 yards of play. And like, this is, this is like the worst Power Five non Kansas category effort I've seen in quite a while. And uh, since then, Completely turned it around. They just had an 81-yard punt return, which uh, may have gotten called back, actually. But uh, now they're up on Colorado State, killing it. So shout out to the Fighting Partons.
1: Yes, for sure. Uh, Teams that impressed me. I mean, I've talked enough about Arkansas, but Arkansas has definitely impressed me today. I think Mississippi State impressed me the way they held on to that NC State win. I think, uh, who else? Uh, We talked about Kentucky. Very enthusiastic about them heading forward and other than that i mean there weren't a whole lot of super impressive performances like georgia looked really good against uab especially without jt daniels but that doesn't really come as a shock because i feel like uab is a team that as good as it is and as good of a program as bill clark has that's what georgia should be doing to uab so there weren't really too many teams that stood out besides that although right now Stanford is definitely looking better after how porous it looked last week. San Diego state is putting it on Arizona and BYU beating Utah. Listen, I've been very like down on BYU. I've been talking about how I don't expect it to be very good. They beat Arizona last week and they're beating Utah right now. So maybe the Cougars are a lot better than I gave them credit for.
0: Without a doubt. I think that uh, Colorado impressed me. And I don't think that Colorado is going to whoop up on anybody. And I don't think Colorado is exceptional, but dadgummit, that is a good college football team because they just, they've got a deep running back room. You know, it's not just Jerick Broussard like Fort got out there. They've got a freshman from new Orleans, a uh, shot Clayton, who looks pretty good. They try to beat you up at the line of scrimmage. And I don't know, like they will always be limited by the fact that they don't have a good passing game and they don't have a good downfield passing attack. But at the same time, I kind of like what Carl Durrell has done with this Colorado team. That was one of those games where I was not expecting to spend a lot of time dialed into it. But I was like, you know what? Like, when we think about the 130-team view of the FBS and we think about teams that are about average, right? The ones that are about the zero, if you're doing the plus or minus to zero – Colorado is a very solid zero, probably maybe a little bit above zero because I think that they, what they do, they do well, but they don't have great size uh, or like great talent on the defensive line and find ways against the Texas A&M offensive line to get wins. They don't have great size or great talent along the line of scrimmage against the Texas A&M defense that we think is one of the best in the country, but find ways to convert on third down. So I don't know. Colorado, even in a losing effort, shout out to I guess what? Did Solid Verbal used to have that back in the day with Nick Foles?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah Nick Foles like, in a losing effort? Yeah.
0: Yeah, super throwback right there. Hey, I give credit where credit's due. Like, that was... Colorado in a losing effort impressed me in a big way.
2: I guess fair. fair. Um, shout out to TCU for coming back after the most ridiculous opening 20 minutes. So we talked about how Cal really couldn't go deep at all against Nevada. They had like the fifth lowest adjusted depth of target in the whole country. And they come out and they bomb it. I think they had a 77, a 68, a 55 and a 49 yard pass in the first 20 minutes of the game, which is a great way to start a game. If you, if you can do that, I recommend <laughs> yes. that uh, strongly. Um, and then they come back and they ended up like Zach Evans, TCU, But guess what? Here's 260 on the ground, or whatever they did uh, between between, Max Duggan and and, uh, and Evans, and they kind of get the defensive stuff fixed, and they win 34-32. Like they don't don't cover, but that could have been a pretty embarrassing loss for them. I think to lose at home to a Cal team that just lost to a quality, not a team at home. I guess Um, that was a. We had a lot of games like that. Man, we're like one team jumped out to a pretty dominating type performance. Like, oh, this isn't good. And then all of a sudden, the other team just stormed right back. And it was like a a, a switch was just totally flipped.
0: Yeah, that's weird that it happens in college football. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) From time to time. All right, any uh, lingering thoughts before we get out of here? Go Go Doors. What's the score?
1: It is 21 to 14 to start the fourth quarter. Vandy's got the ball facing a third and two. And you know what? They're going to convert.
2: Uh, it was incomplete. So now they got a punt. Okay. <sighs> but unless they go for it on their own 36, I don't think they will. Do it, Barton. Do Call we need to in. talk Ball State, Penn State, House divided? The comment section seems to want that. <laughs> well, the House was not so divided after
1: all. Penn State cruised. I hoping Ball State could come through at the cover for me there. But Penn State, you know, just they saw Ohio State lose
2: and they they smelled blood in the water. <laughs> Said we got to take out Ball State. Oh, our pit game's going to be absolutely insane this year, like even more insane than normal. Mm-hmm. Like they just cannot hold a lead because they really can't run the ball at all. So they have to just keep shucking it. Correct. Constantly.
0: Yeah. 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 That's that is the they did last games. year, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's what we're used to. Every year we come in and we say, you know what they're going to do? Vincent Davis and Izzy, they're going to be able to run the ball. And I'm telling you, look at Jimmy Morrison and look at all these offensive linemen. And we're going to be able to, to bully them at the line of scrimmage. And then you go and you get those ACC network analysts and they go out on the radio hits and they say, i tell you what, this pit team can really bully them at the line of scrimmage. And then you know what happens? They don't because they play an SEC team. And then they end up having to just chuck it on third down, which Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison and the rest of these wide receivers are pretty good at. But yeah, that's what you're going to deal with the pit experience.
1: Uh, I, I do want to say, I'm kind of sad. I lost my first money line sprinkle of the season. I'm now only four and one. Mm. What was it? Mizzou.
2: Oh Yeah. I was there too. Yeah. I, I like Mizzou there. Rutgers had a couple alternate lines today that really pissed me or kind of made me, made me angry. Um, East Carolina is up 14, nothing. I had bet them minus three and a half, like plus 200. They, they don't even hold on to win Tennessee by double digits again, like plus 200 shot They're you know, up 14 cruising to go up 21 screw around, like kind of mess around at the, uh, At the end. Wait, Western Carolina plus 75 in live? No. (laughs) What? Wait, no, there's the the pregame line with 75? There's no way. No, it had to be live line, right? (laughs) What was the final score? 76 0. Oklahoma got it. (laughs) Sam Johnson said live bet. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Wow, that is, that's a bad beat.
2: West Carolina's the catamounts?
1: Yes. There
2: you go. So I've you-
1: never I've never fired a plus seventy-five. <laughs> What's the biggest live bet you ever fired? Probably plus fifty ish. It won. Yeah. Right, it, who it was it? Uh, it was an FCS team. It was plus like 51. I think it was against Wisconsin like a couple years ago.
2: I think the highest I LSU at Ole Miss on the live line when they had burrow and LSU was like, all right, we're going to let you run. You just can't throw it on us. And Ole Miss is like, okay, we're just going to run explosively then every single time. Like the live over under was like 89 and a half. It was like, <laughs> I got to go under here. Like it, 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 I don't think they got the 90, but um Losing plus 75 is a hard way I mean, to go. for
0: Sam, I mean, hard, like... Sam, that book, is tough. Yeah, this whole episode
2: needs to be dedicated to Sam. <laughs> I will say, most books will not take enormous bets on FBS, FCS, live wagering. Like, hypothetically here, if I'm pulling this up, well, there's no active games I can take right now FCS, FBS, but... For memory.
0: Check pockets. We're not gonna check the actual money involved. I mean, we we
2: I'm just saying for Sam, I think we can all take comfort that unless Sam has a whole bunch of like ghost accounts, he probably didn't lose something with a comma in it on this because most places don't take that much on FBS FCS. So at least every twenty dollars counts.
0: Yeah. As we say, the R is for recreation. This is true. The R and ROI is always for recreation, as we discuss here on the Cover Three Podcast. 75. Sooner's cover Congratulations Okay, you can follow him on Twitter At Tom For You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson We will be back live on Monday 3 p.m. Eastern time Catching up on all the headlines And uh, having some uh, recalibration After we got the new updated rankings And more Gentlemen, thank you very much
1: Let's finish this, Doors